Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Jason Richmond. Jason is an authoritative culture change strategist whose work over the past 20 plus years has helped companies build strong, sustained revenue growth by empowering their employees and developing energizing office cultures. He's author of Culture Ignited, Five Principles for Adaptive Leadership and Culture Spark, Five Steps to Ignite and Sustain sustain organizational growth. As Chief Culture Officer for Ideal Outcomes, Inc., he's worked closely with established Fortune 100 companies to create leadership development journeys. Thanks so much for joining me today, Jason. Well, thanks for having me, Diane, and and happy holidays. This is a a great opportunity, and I'm excited to to talk with you this morning. Well, I am thrilled to have you here. Um, This topic is so, I mean, it's always relevant, but I feel like it's especially relevant right now in this very strange world that we're living in. Um, (laughs) You know, with people not coming back to work. Yeah. (laughs) So will you... Will you talk about um, why having the right kind of corporate culture is so important, please? Well, you know, I'm, you kind of tapped into it uh, right there with your last comment, Dan, and, and it's really part of the inspiration that um, drove me to, to continue the research and, and publish the second book, Culture Ignited. Um, but you you talk you mentioned there um, the great resignation right that we've gone through uh, people people's approaches and, and thoughts um, change towards the workplace um, hybrid workforces and those types of things you know I talk a lot about the great resignation but I really like to think of it as the the reprioritization um, of the workforce and and I don't know. You know, I, I, I can't say I'm different than anyone else, Diane. I, I've gone through the same process that millions of other professionals have gone through. And, and through the time of uncertainty and rapid change in the pandemic, I feel a majority of the people at some point in that experience reprioritized some of the things that are very important to them, maybe some of their values. And, and likewise, so has organizations. So I think coming out of a a global crisis coming out of, of 
the the events that we've came out um, in order for organizations to retain that top talent, to continually growing, to continue to having the competitive advantage. Um, I, I think culture is the one thing that can can help them get uh, get through this and, and power through and, and be more successful and profitable on the other end. But that's that that's really I think why it's so important is because we've had to tap into the the hearts and minds of our workforce and really show a level of empathy and understand what's important to them and how they reprioritize things. That is a bit of a shift from like when I was growing up, companies, it it was sort of an us against them on both sides of the table. So it wasn't really seen as um, a collaboration, you know, that the the leadership thought, okay, we're hiring you, we're going to pay you. And here's our expectation. And that was the beginning and end of it. Yeah. And, and what you're seeing different today, um, especially with the, the pandemic and, and the last couple of years experiences we've gone through is, is executives and leaders aren't only tapping into uh, tapping into their individual contributors and their influence in the organizations. They're tapping into their customers more. They are become. They, I have seen a huge shift in a trend in the level of customer centricity, um, and and getting getting customers' opinions and thoughts and ideas into internal processes and procedures to to provide a more efficient, more valuable product or service to the to the end user, and and that's one of the big differences we've seen coming out of the pandemic. At least myself and my clients have seen is that that level of not only importance, but even the level of involvement um, with with key customers and and executives within those companies and leaders within those companies. That is so interesting. I didn't realize, I mean, it's great, but I I didn't realize that was happening. Yeah, and and even in in my world, um, you know, we we regularly, I mean, on on a scheduled basis, have you know customer peer groups where customers are sharing best practices, um, not necessarily competitors, mm-hmm. right? But companies mm-hmm. within different industries, customers within different industries. Because at the end of the day, um, at, at the end of the day, companies, regardless of the industry they're in or the product and services they provide, are dealing with some of the same cultural challenges, um, regardless of what business they're in. So we, 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 we really are um, seeing a higher level of peer interaction, um, the power of peer groups, the power of, of uh, best practices within, you know, across functional industries, even, um, you know, coming from voices of customers. Yeah, that is really great. Will you explain what you mean by adaptive leadership? Yeah, exactly. I I chose that word and and chose my focus on adaptive leadership because the companies that have been successful coming out of out of the the pandemic versus ones that stayed kind of, you know, flatlined or, or, you know, status quo, if you will, uh, were the ones that the leadership ranks uh, adapted to the situation. They 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 pivoted um, things like uh, agile methodology got implemented into their leadership behaviors. 
um, their level of communications with their team, you know, increased, sometimes even doubled. Um, you know, they, they refocused their, their performance metrics, their goal settings on more short term, shorter burst targets than, than, than an annual, you know, annual goal. So they've really uh, deliberately realized that they would probably have to lead in a different way than they were before their workforce started working from home. And, and that's really why I, I drove this level of adaptability through Culture Ignited, because all leaders, I think, right now, especially that middle management and, and, and leadership ranks that have such a huge influence on the organization, have to shift the way they lead and communicate. They have to have a higher level of empathy. And, and they really, really got to bring out that power of, of uh, encouragement, but empowerment. Um, in, in, in my mind, and this is what I'm seeing in, in our customers and the organizations we partner with. Yeah, definitely. Right. The, the ones that are, are thriving are the ones that are interacting with each employee on an individual basis to, to figure out what makes the most sense for them as far as where they work, when they work you know, all of those things, because we've learned through this that you can have that flexibility and still have a really engaged workforce. For sure. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It's crazy. So you also identify the five principles um, to help executives navigate a crisis. And I would love it if you would tell me first about inspire and communicate a shared purpose. Yeah, and I, I like to, um, in simple terms, um, I like I like to relate that you know a shared purpose, more like a, more like a rallying cry, you know when when you talk about, you know inspiring and, and communicating a shared purpose, you're talking about bringing unity, bring bringing groups together, bringing your teams together, and and having them you know, as a team, having them, you know, all feel valued and understand why we're all really here. What, what, what are our contributions um, providing? What value are we bringing as a team? So I like to look as a shared purpose, as a, as a rally cry, not only what are we bringing to ourselves, but what are we bringing to our community? What are we bringing to society? What do we, what value we bring into our customers? Um, part of this great resignation also is, is employees felt really, you know, after starting working from home, after we got Zoom fatigue, after, you know, after, after some of these things happened, you know, people started, you know, they had a sense of fear. People started feeling devalued and, and that uh, leaders, leaders really keeping our, our core purpose up in front, leading the charge you know, allows them to be motivated. It really taps into the hearts and minds of individuals if they have a reason, you know, and if, and if it's a shared reason for them to be successful, to be engaged, to be committed, uh, to continue striving every day. I really love that. And I think the thing I like most about it is it sounds like it's not the leadership saying, this is our purpose. It's the leadership engaging in, conversation around 
this is our purpose and this is how you contribute to it and we yeah. make it happen. Exactly. Yep, absolutely. You're you're 100% on on point, Diane. Yeah, it's a big difference. I think so <laughs> many leaders think they're just supposed to share the vision, but people then don't see how they're tethered to it. And so it doesn't really mean anything to them. Exactly. If you're not tapping into those individuals, you know, they, their values have to align with, with your values and the team's values and the organizational values. Um, and if you're not tip, tapping into that and you just hand them what that vision is, they don't, they don't have any, they don't have any ownership of it. Yeah. Right? And, right. and, and people, people help, people really support a world or an environment that they help create and they want to be part of that creation. Do you think um, this, this new, this young generation that is now out in the workforce, do you think they have had an impact on, on this sort of shift in leadership? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, individual values, corporate values with our clients and, and making sure they're aligned. I mean, in, in an individual's value system, right, starts, starts getting developed at a very, very young age um, and influenced by, by, by family, by teachers, by coaches, by, you know, any, any influential people in their lives. And, and those experiences of our younger generation coming into the workforce were completely different than what I would say mine is. And when you talk about adaptive leadership, it's that ability for a leader or a manager or a very experienced individual that has influence to adapt their style and their understanding of what's important to the younger generation coming into that workforce, becoming our new leaders, becoming our new managers, people we rely on. And, and it's, it's funny, you know, working with, with customers and having these conversations with them so much, Diane, one of the, you know, one of the answers that uh, is just unacceptable in today's workforce is we don't do it that way, or we've never done it that way before, right? Because there's so much fresh ideas and, and new approaches to tackle some business challenges and where, where maybe you or I or, or, or an older generation might perceive that to be very difficult to change. You know, they're coming in and actually making things easier if we open up and allow that to happen. Yeah, I, I think that is so key. I really appreciate you sharing that because I, it always, it makes me a little crazy when I'm in conversations with boomers, you know, I'm a boomer and, and boomer business owners and, and they're so anti that generation. And I have to say to them, okay, hang on a second. The, you know, they're, they're no different from any other generation really, except that they're more socially conscious. You know, they're more yeah. like, you know, the sixties. Um, revisited, but uh, they, we raised them, yeah, you know, sure. <laughs> so. yeah. it, it, and, the, and the funny thing is, I mean, I think that's, you know, how much, how many millions of, of articles and, and blogs and books and, and research has been done on the, on the millennials. And, you know, from even my, from my first book, you know, Culture Spark, you know, I did focus on the millennial generation and I included hundreds of millennials that I interviewed. And one of the common thread that I got from that, from that generation is 
is the perception that they're just totally 100% misunderstood. There's a lot of perceptions about them that just aren't true. Um, you know, and, and you're right. You, you, you hit on something early. You said they're no different than any other generation. Every gen, every new generation brings change and, and new ways of thinking and new ways of doing. And I, I think that's what makes us great. I think that's what makes companies great that, that they can be inclusive of those thoughts and ideas and approaches and changes. We need that. Otherwise we're going to plateau as an organization. Right. If we're not, if we're not engaging or, or encouraging that type of influence, we're, we're, we're going to stagnate. Definitely. I, I'm, I'm so with you. And as you were talking about that, I was thinking, plus they're the, the they are the current and future customer base. That's right. So if we aren't paying attention to them, they're not going to buy from us when they need whatever it is that we sell. (laughs) You know, it's just like shooting yourself in the foot. It's a crazy. And they're not going to, and and you talk about, you know, some of the changes that come out of this pandemic. I mean, the recruiting industry is, is, is an industry that has taken this crisis and turned it into a big opportunity right there. Their scope now from a recruiting standpoint, where they might have been restricted more regionally or, or local now that, you know, they've got a global, they've got a global pool, right? And, and that just, you know, the workforce, the younger workforce now, um, where maybe you or I at some point in our careers would be like, well, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to wait it out because we know in a fairly, you know, certain amount of time, opportunities are going to change or things are going to change where now they they don't feel like they have to wait anything out if you know they can move pretty quickly and pretty easily and you know that industry has as you know creating hybrid workforces and stuff the recruiting industry that's a really good example of, a, of an industry that has taken a crisis and really turned it into a, a a fantastic opportunity for them at this time i'd like to take a sponsor break accelerate your business growth podcast is happy to be sponsored by audible.com and I'm sure you know that Audible.com has thousands of audiobook titles to choose from, but you might not know about the other content. There's podcasts, Audible Originals, guided meditations. Uh, my favorite thing is to be able to listen to different kinds of things all on the same platform. I think it's a time saver uh, and it's like a productivity uh, hack for me. I don't have to go jumping from one platform to another. Uh, so we're offering you a free trial. You can go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, sign up for that free trial, and then explore on your own. You know, check out the audiobooks, check out the other programs, see what really, you know, resonates with you. Interested in getting some help with your sales strategy? Pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. I, I find that so interesting, turning a crisis into an opportunity. And that's a great example of that. That feels to me like um, the leadership has to have a certain mindset, a certain perspective. So what can you share more about the importance of that and, and how leaders can be thinking, I guess, differently about crisis? Yeah, I mean, with some of the some of the major work we've been doing over the last year with organizations with our customers is is looking at some of these policies and procedures that they've had place in forever. 
what a great opportunity to to increase the level of engagement in your employees by reevaluating, maybe adapting, you know, relevant policies and procedures. We were working with, we, we've been working with an organization for 12, 15 years now um, in their in their professional learning and development group um, focused on, you know, the, the group within the company focuses on talent development across the board. And we have been, the last couple of years, it's been on their strategic plan to convert their learning and development offers to a virtual platform. Um, and they've been having meetings and strategies and sessions on how to make this transformation and these types of things for over two years, Dan. And then the pandemic hit, everyone wouldn't work from home. Within two months, they were still delivering 85 to 90% of their, of their talent development curriculum. And we had conversations shortly after, and they said, you know, something we've been planning on or working on or talking about or strategizing for over two years. At the end of the day, it took us two months to get there. Yeah, boy, nothing like necessity being the mother of invention, right? <laughs> yeah, so, so again, the crisis forced them yeah. to look at the way they do things, right? And any crisis, because I, I guarantee you, it, it won't be, might not be next year. It might not be a year after, but at some point we'll have a business crisis. And, and the opportunity is for us to look at the way we do things, the way we work, how we do things and make adjustments to, to, you know, escalate us into the future, to keep us going, to keep us relevant. And, and that's what I really like to think about, you know, any, any crisis is an opportunity for us to implement and execute proper change that needs to happen you know as well as i know there is just a general resistance to change well in a in, in a crisis moment what a great time to implement change that is needed within any organization yeah yeah and just looking at it that way is that it is an opportunity to to yeah. make some improvements and changes whatever it is changes the how that conversation is delivered yeah for sure so speaking of that, talk to me about your, your second principle, which is build trust and authenticity. Yeah, um, leaders today, and, and we've touched upon it with the workforce, the changing values of the workforce, um, people are going to be engaged and work for leaders that they trust. And, and that, that trust and authenticity, I like to say it starts with empathy. Um, I think it's more important today for, for managers and leaders to really know who their employees are, what's important to them, what do they value, and, and the, the need for a higher level of empathy in the leadership ranks and that style and that behavior, I think is a critical skill set for successful leaders to have um, in order to, to really build that trust within, the, within their teams and to communicate it authentic. authentic, authentic. People know, people can see through things pretty easily. If you're not being authentic, if you're not being transparent, if you're not being honest, um, whether it be in person or across a Zoom call, um, it, it's read pretty easy. It's, it, you, you can just, you can feel it, right? You can feel it and how they communicate. And that's, that's what we're talking about, the importance of really being authentic with your people and, and you know, maintaining that level of trust. 
Yeah, and that that um, I I'm not sure. So a lot of times I hear from especially small business owners that they're afraid to be that open because they're afraid it will cause an exodus. Like you know if things are challenging. And what I say to them is, if you aren't open with them, it's going to cause an exodus because Correct. they can already tell something's going on and you not talking to them scares them. That's you're, you're exactly it. And, you know, we coach a lot of a lot of organizations, small business owners, medium, you know, mid cap businesses, you know, your your people, if you approach it the right way and you have the right, you know, you you, you present things the right way they will bring solutions to the table that you haven't right. thought of. Right. Right. Exactly. That is exactly. And, and, and it's amazing. And it's amazing if, if you have a team of people that's truly engaged, um, that are committed to the success that again, believe in that rally cry, rally cry and feel like they have a reason to get up every morning. They have that purpose in the sacrifices that they'd be willing to not only take, but even suggest in order to get through a critical time or a critical period. Yeah, yeah, it, it really, it, that absolutely, I've seen that happen so many times at, that it really, that needs to be heard, you know, very mm -hmm. clearly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So your third principle is home performance management skills. And I'm really curious about this one. And, and I like to, I like to relate it to, to the simplest, you know, to really get your arms around and it. It's how we approach, how we approach goals and what we're trying to accomplish. Um, it, it, what I'm really focused on here is becoming regard regarding our performance management um, integrating a, a, a higher level of agility, um, agile methodology into our leadership behaviors. Um, you know, rewrite those goals with your with your team members uh, in shorter time frames. Um, you know, create sprints, uh, scrums of people working together, team goals. Um, keep you know, really, really look at performance in a different way. Um, not, not just, not just, okay, we've got a, we've got a project that has to be out. We got a product that's got to get out. We got to get, you know, this is a 18 month or a 12 month project. Let's look at the end of it and evaluate it. Let's take that project and break that up into several, several small monthly chunks and have performance metrics around progress of that execution of that project. Let's not wait to the end and see if we come under budget or over budget if we got it implemented on time or if it was late, um, those types of things. Let's let's jump in and, and set performance metrics and, and watch our performance in shorter bursts of time um, throughout a project and, and make that cross-functional. Uh, traditionally, you've probably seen this too, where, where a project could be a cross-functional project and each each function, each silo, if you will, has its own performance metrics, and they never talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the year, the project's over, and you've got one business unit wondering if they hit their metrics, and another business unit wondering if they hit their metrics, and and they've never really talked to each other. Well, what if you bring those together and you you create project metrics instead of job function metrics? 
that's what we're talking about, really honing that performance management um, skill set and ability to, to really tackle that more of an, more, more in an agile way. Yeah, and more adaptive, right? Because that's then right. That's time, just... yeah, you can see. How, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yep. I love that. Yeah, that's terrific. So um, I have a little debate going on in my head about uh, my next question. Um, okay, actually, I'm going to skip the fourth. I, I don't want to do all of them because I want you know people to, to read the book. But I am sure. curious about the fifth, which is create belonging through diversity and inclusion. And this has been a hot topic this year. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, I, I'm really sure. interested in your viewpoint on this. Well, and, and my viewpoint, Diane, is is diversity is a lot more than you know race, religion, you know the standard diversity topics, right? I'm I'm focused more on diversity of thoughts and ideas, and I'm a big believer in having work teams, project teams of all different walks of life to be involved in one project and in these scrums and in these huddles and in these project planning meetings, getting that diverse thought of, of people from all different walks of life, inputting into our approach, how to do this, how to get things done, how to work, how to react, how to respond and so forth. So, um, if you are if you are really inclusive, I mean, if you if you are really open, you know, the thoughts, ideas, um, new approaches, concepts, it will create an inclusive bond within your within your project teams, within your work teams, within your sales team, within your production team, within your engineering team. Uh, I mean, just over the holidays, um, I was uh, working just talking uh, with a client of mine. And he says, okay, we've, we, we've kind of spun off this little division. We brought in, we brought in talent from um, three or four different groups to, to lead up this new product division. Okay. And, and he said, you know, the, the two leaders of this group are aligned. They're hundred percent aligned. And he said, they're really, really struggling getting all these other people aligned and feeling exactly how they feel and I said he'll never get that done right that's exactly the wrong way to approach this right you want to bring you want to bring people together that has different thoughts and ideas and collaboratively come up with that plan and I guarantee you it'll be a little bit different than than what your style or tendency or the exact approach you would take as a leadership role. They're the ones that have to do the work. Let them, let, let them, let them contribute to it, be all in, be inclusive to it and, and be open, open your mind to change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's me. So that was going to be, that's so interesting because my follow-up question was going to be it, the leadership has to really walk that talk to make sure that everyone feels comfortable being open-minded and listening to other points of view. It's, it is so much more than, 
signs on the wall, posters, yeah. values written, um, groups, you know, um, committee set up. Um, it, it is, it goes so much more than that. It, you know, if you're really going to tackle the diversity and inclusion issues, you got to have, you got to have a leadership team. You got to have management ranks um, that just what you said, they got to walk the talk. They're probably going to fundamentally have to change it. it. It's not about statistics, hiring statistics and, and requirements. It's about the behaviors of your leaders actually changing and doing something about it. Yeah, that's big. I have to believe that that is not an easy process. It's it, it's not, and, and and culture isn't. I mean, none of this is an easy process. It's not like it's not a flavor of the month, and it's not turning a light switch on, right? Um, yeah. Build building a culture, evolving a culture, creating. Um, you know, I, I I think I think inclusion, inclusiveness, um, you know, is the new engagement, right? Mm -hmm. I I think I think employees perception of how how inclusive they feel is has just as much power as as how engaged they are i think they kind of go hand in hand yeah. and i think that's going to be a new employee business metric here very soon is is how inclusive is my organization yeah i do too i, I do too especially because people have options and as you said at the beginning of this conversation it's it's the great you know reprioritization of what matters yeah. to people right and and they've got That's opportunity correct. to go in those directions yeah. yeah and 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 leadership today can't i mean across the board they fundamentally have to make some leadership changes within their style and their behaviors yeah. to be successful long term i i don't know of an organization that is going to successfully survive and grow if they don't adapt and change the way they lead their individuals they empower their leaders um their level of empathy um you know those those types of those types of things you know one one uh one question i get often asked diane is you know what what, what's been some of the most important lessons learned that you've seen from your customers, from the leaders you work with, from the people you coach? And one big aha that I've been recognizing from, from interactions with our customers and our clients is that they've been surprised or they have been impressed by the level of capacity that their teams actually had. Uh -huh through this whole crisis, if they've done it right, they've walked away realizing that, you know what, I, I might not need to hire four more people. I've got people on my team desperate to learn, desperate to grow. I've got more capacity in my team than I ever thought I had. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Right. I mean, that, that's a great outcome. Yeah, for but, sure. And they're realizing it. Yeah. It is yep. terrific. Boy, Jason, I, I really value this conversation. I'm so grateful to you for coming on and, and sharing uh, this. Like I said, I, I think it is so timely. Um, will you share with the listeners how they can find your book, how they can find you, you know, everything they need to know, please? 
Absolutely. So the book is on Amazon, of course, plus several other places. But if you go to Amazon and just search Culture Ignited, uh, Jason Richmond, um, it's also on Audible. Um, you can get it on the Audible. You can always find it and find me and find Ideal Outcomes at www.idealoutcomesinc.com. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, awful lot doing a lot on LinkedIn. Just you know, search Jason Richmond um, on on LinkedIn and, and and connect with me, and we yeah love to love to stay in touch. That's great. Thank you so much, and listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzoir, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next-door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in life, we've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information.